Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz and Pastor Tony Trussoni. All right, Tony, it's been a while since we've been on here to record. How are you, my friend? I've been doing well. Been bearing the extreme cold. <laughs> like I said, yeah, like... I see you sitting in front of a window, uh, which is nice to be able to, to see you on here because for a lot of times when you were living in Maryland, it was there was no window behind you, and and sometimes it wasn't with video. But is that white? Is that just sunlight, or is that like snow, like all the way up to the top of the window? Uh, there is, uh, it's probably mostly sunlight, but I mean, I'm sure there's gotta be three, uh, three foot of gathered snow total outside, you know, so it's not terribly far from the <laughs> window. <laughs> you know, I, I was telling you before we got started how we actually got snow here for the first time in six years. And so it was, um, it was a big thing and you know, the kids had fun playing with that. And it started snowing like shortly after they went to sleep, but it had been a little bit of a bad day. I was like, no, we're not waking them up. They'll just, they can, it'll be cold enough. It'll be there in the morning for them. Uh-huh. They need some sleep. Yeah. Um, for us, it'll be cold enough that when it snows, it'll be here for months. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here, you know, it is, it's been cool and it's starting to warm up a little bit in the afternoon. It's still cold in the mornings, but further south of here, um, I think it's actually, I, I, a member of our church was in Florida recently, and he said it was very cold. But, uh, you know, Florida has a lot of uh, a lot of activity uh, that would normally be coming up. I don't know that it's going to be coming up quite so soon this year with the work stoppage uh, that seems to be on the, the horizon in Major League Baseball. But, you know, the site of a lot of spring training. Um, but are, are you looking forward to the start of baseball season? It will be good, so. Yeah, but I've enjoyed the NFL season this year. You know, it's two teams that I didn't expect getting in the Super Bowl, and uh, uh, the Super Bowl will be fun. But yeah, definitely looking forward to the uh, baseball season. Speaking of spring training, you know, there's a lot of things that happen there that would seem very mundane. You know, um, a lot of hitting off tees, uh, drills, things that you would see like a t-ball practice or at uh, Little League practice, and you've got these professionals out there who are doing these drills. Um, they're, they're forming these, just ingraining their bodies in these habits and muscle memory over and over um, so that they can go do the highlight reels and hit the ball 450 feet and make these diving catches. Um, but it, it is interesting how those things combine, like the T-ball, Little League kind of stuff, and these guys are getting paid like millions of dollars. Uh, I don't know, maybe like each each time they catch a little ground ball and toss it, it's like 10 grand or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but that's what we're going to talk about today, about habits uh, in our home and, and holiness and how those things are related. Um, By the so way, I'm not sure one of my Reds, one of the Red Sox stars, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan now, and we had many Ramirez, and I'm not sure that he did a lot of that practicing and stuff either. It was a little bit like Allen Iverson. He just showed up for the game. We're not talking yeah. about practice. We're talking about the game. <laughs> he went into the uh, wall of the uh, <laughs> Red Sox game one time. So That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Manny, he was a little bit of an enigma, but he could hit. That's he for sure. So, Tony, do you have any daily habits that you may get a point to, to personally practice? I mean, whether it's hitting off the tee or, or something else. Onto the snow. <laughs> 
I have a few, so, but uh, it's funny you mentioned with baseball because, like, at the beginning of every baseball season, I, I will print out a, a copy of the of the baseball theme or root for schedule. So this year will be the Red Sox, and then I anticipate to kind of put down what the score of the game was every morning in my office, and then I do it for, like, four days, and then I drop <laughs> but, but uh, So I'm maybe not the best at habits, but I do try to read, uh, pray, and read the Bible in the morning when I can. Uh, more most days, not necessarily every single day, uh, but sometimes you know I'll double up in one thing and you know catch up uh, and that. But uh, yeah, I, I do try to get a lot of reading done through that practice. Uh, but uh, family worship, we do family worship, which yeah we've talked about that in previous podcasts almost every night, not every night, but you know we and we go through the routine. Uh, I'm a very rigid person at times, sometimes in not a helpful way. So, uh, but I, I actually I tend to have really more weekly habits than, you know, daily. I mean, I'm a guy who I schedule out all my, my whole week, you know, every hour of my week, this, these hours I'm working on a sermon, these hours I'm, but it's not necessarily that, you know, every day I'm doing the same things, but every week I'm doing the same things a lot more often. But what about you, Ben? Uh, it seems like you're more of a guy that is more faithful about habits. I mean, you're better shaped than I am, so I assume so. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I, I do have daily habits, um, and I also try weekly habits as well. Uh, you mentioned the thing about, you know, scheduling your time like that. I found that when I, um, block my time off and just, you know, ahead of time on a day or a week, okay, from this time to this time, I'm working on this thing, then I'm going to work on this thing. Uh, I've already assigned it. I'm a lot, I accomplish more than if I'm just like, okay, I've got these other things to do. What should I do next? Uh, and so that has been a good habit, trying to, to spend some time at the beginning of the week. Um, I do try to exercise three, four times a week. Again, that's kind of more weekly. Um, we try to do family worship about three to four times a week, um, you know, daily Bible reading and prayer. If I miss a day, I mean, I don't flagellate myself, um, but it is something I, I try to make it a point, try to read through the Bible over the course of a year. Um, been doing that for a number of years. So, uh, brush my teeth, you know, those kinds of things. Um, I mean, there's just things that we do over and over. Um, and, and there's been a, at least from what I've seen, a re, this renewed emphasis on our habits and our behaviors in Christian circles. Um, and I think it's been helpful in a lot of ways. We'll talk about in a minute if there's any problems with it. But um, how... Or why do habits form in the first place? Yeah, so I think we, you know, mostly focus on special revelation, which is basically, I mean, what we can learn about God from Scripture. But, you know, there's also principles that we can know about ourselves, especially from general revelation, which, you know, is really the studying even, you know, uh, of some degree psychology, uh, but the sciences and things like that. And the Bible doesn't tell us specifically well, how or why habits forms, but, you know, from what I've read and understand, our minds are pretty pliable. Uh, we tend to kind of assume, you know, we talk about, you know, young people have such bad attention spans. Actually, uh, we know for a fact that attention spans, for example, can even grow or diminish uh, through practice. 
And uh, I think further, we just in general are creatures of habit. Sometimes I think habits are more about the fact that, you know, we just kind of sit and we, it's, it's, we're comfortable as humans doing the same things over and over again because it's, you know, <laughs> it's predictable. We like the predictable. More, even, you know, spontaneous people that I've known are a lot more predictable. I, I've never met a spontaneous person that doesn't brush their teeth in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some points to that. Um, and, and I've even heard about some of these people that were very highly creative who spent a lot of time disciplined. This is the time I will work and try to be productive. and Even though they may not have some grand thing that came out of each work session, they were disciplined to now I'm going to work. Now uh, I'm going to write from this time to this time. And maybe they didn't get anything very good, but then every now and then lightning kind of you know, they caught it in a bottle. Um, and so they, there was a, a level of discipline in that. Um, and it seems, you know, that our brains like to be able to shut off energy to certain things so that it can devote it to other things from at least what I've read. And so if we can sort of take shortcuts and, you know, you're driving down the road and you need to, um, you're thinking about something else. A lot of times, I mean, you can just sort of get where you need to go if you know that place without having to stop and, you know, okay, do I turn here or yeah. is it the next street? Um, but if you're in some new city, I mean, I, um, I know whenever we drive through uh, Penn, uh, Pittsburgh trying to get to my in-laws' house, I'm getting more familiar with it. But there's the way the interstates where you have to get on this bridge. Have you ever been through Pittsburgh? I have, yeah, like once. Okay. okay. Well, it's – there's a, a part where we come through and it's near the baseball stadium and stuff and you get on a bridge, one of the bridge, a Fort Pitt, Fort Pitt bridge, I think. And there's like multiple places you could go and the signs for what lane you need to be in are above you. And so you have like a second or so as you're going by it. Okay. I need, Oh no, I need to get over. And, um, you know, that requires a lot of mental focus. Whereas if you're just kind of out there cruising and you, you know where you're supposed to be, you live in Pittsburgh, then okay, you just get over to where you need to be. Um, and so, you know, from what I've read and sort of experienced, habits form as we do things over and over and then our brain starts making connections and it's just, you know, it becomes second nature for us um, to, to help us to be able to devote our energy in other ways. Uh, it can also cultivate a, a taste for something. Like when I was in um, high school I had to stay up all night a couple of times to or most of the night to do like some science project and other stuff and so the next morning I was obviously very tired and so I decided I would drink some coffee and my dad drank uh, black coffee and so I was like well I mean that's how like a man needs to do it and so uh, <laughs> you know just drink it straight black and I was like this does not taste good um, and then in college I started drinking coffee a little bit more, but still not all the time. And I just didn't want to like always drink coffee or drink it every day. Um, by the time I got to seminary and was working and had a child, it was like, okay, the time for every day has come. <laughs> and, but, and, you know, at this point, I enjoy the taste of black coffee. But the 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 thing, the behavior of doing it over and over sort of cultivated a desire. And now, now you know, you'll smell it. And I know you didn't used to drink coffee, and now you do. Um, you know, after all your fancy pour over and, you, and all that stuff, uh, but you know, but you it, it cultivated a taste for it, and there's this craving, and you're like, well, the way to get it is to to drink it, and here I'll go do my little pour over here, and 
Uh-huh. Do, do you still have to get that set up in your office? I do, yeah. So I actually have a second French press. The wife is using my pour over right now, but I'll, I'll and rather than do, I used to do a French press in the morning as a habit and then a pour over in the afternoon. And now I generally do two French presses, uh, but do different coffee beans between the church. And uh, I've got two different uh, brands of Maine based coffee. Actually, obviously, they didn't grow the beans in Maine. You know, it wouldn't last, but uh, two local Maine roasters that I've been enjoying so okay cool so anyway I, I, there's there's stuff that goes in yeah this is not special revelation this is more general of revelation people figuring these things out um, but so we talked about how habits form how do habits form us over time or do you th- do you think they do is it or is it just simply that we do them and we change them and you know go on yeah I, I think this really gets into the question like you know, how, how do these kind of things work? You know, I mean, habits, the idea of a habit is something that you take on long term and then just kind of become second, uh, you know, second nature. Again, I mean, back to the coffee thing, for example, like, I mean, I, I don't even think about, I, I immediately, when I wake up, you know, I go to make coffee. It's just, you know, I, I could probably do it half asleep uh, because mm-hmm. it's a habit that's been formed. Uh, and it seems like actually, I mean, people used to say, you know, like 20 days, a habit, but uh, it seems like the best guess is the science seems to suggest that things become pretty automatic after we do it consecutively for about two months. Uh, but I do think at the same time, you know, when we're talking about holy habits, the devil does try to get us to drop good habits when we occasionally miss it. And I think that is really important with godly habits. I mean, we're going to miss it. I mean, we're going to sin. It's not like coffee. Coffee is not a sin issue or a non-sin issue. You know, uh, we don't have a sinful nature telling us not to drink coffee, for example. But uh, the but some of the holiest people I know uh, actually don't even think about planning to read their Bible, for example. Don't even think about time and prayer. And I think the reason why they do that is because they're, they made those into habits in the past, and those habits have informed them. The was a time in which these people did think about it, but now they don't because it's just become so in, in tune to who they are, like my coffee. What about you, Ben? What do you think about this? I mean, I think habits certainly do form us and shape us in ways that we're maybe not always aware of. Um, I mean, I talked about the initially I didn't desire the, the taste of black coffee uh, and then with time, it became like I, I wanted I wanted to pick me up and I wanted the taste. And so like there was this craving and then the way to to satisfy that was to make a cup of coffee or two cups of coffee or, um, you know, whatever it may be. And they do – it shapes us. It shapes our desires. Um, and, you know, the, the small choices that we make, the, the small choices to act – over time, they accumulate. It affects our character. It affects what we want. Um, and so, I mean, take for example, like if you, you, what's a good one? Um, say you routinely at the dinner table, or you don't, you don't have like a structure for this is what we're doing at dinner time, and it's just people are eating wherever they want in front of whatever screen they want, and um, you're then. You, you're in a context where you need to sit together and eat, and you're like, um, "What do we, what do we do?" Um, because you've just, you've sort of isolated yourself and conditioned yourself yeah. in such a way that then the 
conversation connection becomes forced uh, and strained. It's, it seems strange, whereas what's comfortable is this other thing. And just there's this inertia that kind of pulls us in the direction of where we're going. Um, and so that's what we need to, be, to examine. To, to you know, Paul tells us in Ephesians five to look carefully at how you walk as wise, not as unwise, and to to make the most of the time because the days are evil. So. What kinds of habits, it brought this, this concept of inertia, what kinds of habits do we tend towards if we just let inertia rule us? Not, you know, like, I guess, was it Newton that discovered inertia yeah. mathematically? Um, <clears throat> not that kind of inertia, but just more, you know, the flow of life. What, what kinds of habits do we tend towards? Yeah. Uh, Individually, as families, whatever. No, that's a good question. I I think in general we tend to resort to what the you know the habit of least resistance, if that makes sense, uh, when we let inertia rule. You know, we we tend to habits of just ease, which there are habits of ease. Again, you know, it's a habit to eat potato chips. Uh, you know, at nine o'clock on the couch. Uh, that doesn't mean it, you know it's a positive habit. Uh, yeah, I confess I've been guilty of that kind of thing myself. But uh, the we do have habits when we don't try, but they tend to be even more. An ex- example for most people would be like, you know, we watch TV, you know, when we don't think about, you know, when we have empty time that we haven't made a habit of planning through. We just, you know, we turn on the tube and we watch old episodes of The Office or, you know, if you have a little bit better taste, Parks and Recreations. Uh, <laughs> uh, and... Uh, or, you know, we scroll our phones. I mean, that is, I've been so guilty of that, you know, as a habit, you know, when we just have downtime rather than making a habit to pray when, you know, we're, you know, in a car that uh, when we're a passenger in a car, don't check your phone in a car, but uh, we scroll our phone or, yeah, no, like I, I said. That. I sometimes you know, have a habit of snacking, you know, when I'm bored or whatever, so. Yeah, I mean, we tend, it's the, the path of least resistance. And so, I mean, I, I've thought some about the phone stuff recently and heard people talking about it. Uh, this this one fellow was talking about how he was a journalist. And when he was like waiting in line somewhere, rather than thinking about the next article he was writing, which he, which he used to do, over the past 10 years, he's found that he just pulls out his phone instinctively and just starts scrolling mindlessly at stuff. And it's, you know, like when we're bored, we're looking for some kind of stimulation. We don't like to feel bored. And so it takes some effort to think about your article or to pray or to think about some passage of scripture that you're memorizing or to talk to the person around you or or whatever it is. But it's just easy to pull out the little glowing box and, you know, bow down before it. And so physically, yeah, I mean, it's a whole lot easier to just stay on the couch. Like my wife and I have been uh, working out together at night. It's like after the kids go to bed. So we don't really start till at 830. And... I mean, by that point, the motivation is is certainly waning. Um, but it helps. My wife likes to have a partner to work out with, and so. But I mean, it's a whole lot easier to just go. Oh, let's just lay on the couch, or let's just kind of <laughs> hang out. And so, it, it's um, because we are fallen and limited creatures. You know, the inertia pulls us in ways that's not so good. Um, so. What are some of the benefits of forming good habits for our family specifically? Yeah, I I think that discipleship tends to be about small things building up as an important thing to understand with this, Uh, you know, and forming good habits. 
I think that's why progressive sanctification has rightly been taught in Christian history. It's it's really about all those habits building upon one another, and uh, and in terms of the forming them a family, I think a lot of ways when we form good habits, like for example, uh, I mean, a great habit I think we can form as a family is family worship. Uh, and we, when we do these kind of things, we might not see an immediate result uh, in the way that I have. I mean, habits are things that are not going to make an immediate change. I mean, your love of coffee. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically speaking, it's going to pump some caffeine in you. But things like a habit of family worship, uh, they, uh, you know, they won't remember a time without it if we make those kinds of things, holy things into habits. Uh, and I think also, particularly, uh, these are important for families because I, I mean, I think we know that kids do well with order. Even in, I think, a child's discipleship, a child's going to do well with order. A, a, a child won't be sanctified best based on just chaos. Uh, I, I know some people, and particularly thickly bent, that kind of approach at that, you know, just kind of impulsively do. But I don't think that's how God is going to really grow us. I, I think habits in the household are going to be essential for us passing down the faith by the grace of God. Of course, we don't have the power to change anyone, but nonetheless, habits are still important. What do you think about this, Ben? Well, I like how you described it as the accumulation of these things over time. Like, I, I was reading... Um, I don't remember exactly where I saw it, but this fellow Wesley Hill, I think he's a yeah. professor of some sort, and you know he deals with same-sex attraction and depressions and things, um, and lives a celibate life. And he made the comment that you know if he's had a particularly rough week, that just the the habit of going to church on that given Sunday doesn't necessarily make some huge difference in his life, but the accumulation of gathering with God's people to sit under his word, to, to sing his praise, to call it to him in prayer, that that does make a big impact uh, in, in the whole. And so, you know, I'm just going to guess that every time you guys do family worship, it's not like a, a grand slam. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> I assume that's the case yeah, with you as I well. Mean, my... Like just the other night, we were doing it, and one of my kids started like we let them draw or color or something uh -huh. like wow, and they're interacting, so it's a, their their hands are occupied. We do it after we've eaten dinner, and we're still at the table, and one of them was drawing. I guess it was like a self portrait, and it was just it was uh, not all that skilled, just given the child's age and development. And someone saw it and just started laughing and. You know, then everybody just starts laughing, and it just sort of unraveled from there. Um, and there's been other times when they're just fighting, or you know, this kind of stuff. But like you said, the fact that we do it over and over and over, um, something that my wife suggested, like the ladies in our church were doing a study in uh, John, the Gospel of John, and the the book, the study book they were using, gave this uh, memorization plan to do the first 18 verses, the prologue. And so she's like, "Hey, what if you encourage the people in the kids ministry, like, the, for them to memorize it with their moms, and they get a reward or something if they did?" And so I was like, "That is a really good idea." So anyway, we've been doing that as a family, and so we just we'll just say it um, and then build on it. And it, I mean, we've just, we've been doing it for a while, a few months, um, and the other night, like we didn't do it, and one of the kids was like, "Why don't we need to do John?" I mean, it's just like, "Hey, this is what we do." Um, and then one of my, my youngest child, I mean, he's he's four, almost five. He was able to spit out almost, I think, 
at the time we had gone through like 11 verses with okay. very minimal help. Just it just absorbed it. Um, and so, you know, those things accumulated over time. Now I get, yeah, it's getting pretty deep about the, the word was, uh, made flesh and dwelt among us. And I mean, there's things about that he doesn't get, but like, we're like you talk about, we we're giving them boots to grow into. And so those kinds of things uh, are going to help the, the order, the structure. And so, um, I guess I was just giving some colorful example to, I don't really have a whole lot to add to what you said. Now, I'm curious, by the way, is the, is the reward, since it's the Gospel of John, is the reward that the kid's going to get not being stranded on an island by themselves? <laughs> we won't exile them. Uh, yeah, that that is... Um, actually, I haven't figured out what the reward is going to be, and I, it looks like at this point it may only be my kids who do it, but hey, they'll, they'll benefit more ways than one from it. Uh-huh. Um, I need to decide though ahead of time so it doesn't look like you know nepotism or something. But, uh, <laughs> I get that. It's a Disney trip. So Tony, how should we choose which habits we're going to try to start or continue or stop uh, as a family? Because all of us have good ones and bad ones, I would assume. Yeah. So I would say actually this goes back to the Wesley Hill thing. Uh, I think we should focus. We've talked about an ordinary means of grace before. Uh, and, you know, and cheaply, that's actually talking about the worship service, but, you know, the thing, the elements of the worship service. But I think focus on these ordinary means that God grows us through first. And so I might even be as bold as to say, you know, I will be as bold as to say, you know, if you could make a habit out of, you know, reading, you know, having great devotions every day, or you could make a habit of going to church every Sunday, choose the latter. You know, you could do both. But <laughs> choose a lot. Yeah, it's not a zero-sum game. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, with that, I mean, I think that we should focus. I mean, we know that God uses his word, prayer, and fellowship, uh, among other things, to really grow us. And so I think those are essential habits that we need to incorporate. And one way, shape, or form, whether it be, again, you know, through family worship, whether it be, you know, in another form, whether it be through joining 18 different Bible studies, you know, um, involve those elements that God God has created for us, that God ordinarily grows us through. So, uh, but I, I think further uh, in terms of how we stop, because it tends to be the case that we don't start habits because we're not getting rid of bad ones that we don't think about. And I think it's important that Christians take some time to inventory our unconscious habits. Uh, you know, I, again, I mean, like the phone or whatever, we have a lot more habits than we realize. I, I mean, I know people that, you know, have been, you know, I'm, I'm not a person that follows habits that has tons and tons of habits that, you know, they just don't, you know, they're just not planned habits. And so mm-hmm. we need to take those plan, unplanned habits captive and fight against them in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think like what you said there, um, becoming aware of what our habits are. I mean, like a lot of cell phones will have some sort of tracking on there to show how many times you, you picked it up or turned it on, how many times you opened this app, how much time you spent on that app. Um, and you get a, a window and okay, this is over the course of a day, over the course of a week. Uh, and I read, this was a few years ago, but Apple reported that the average adult picked up their phone like 85 times. Um, and I'm not sure what the total screen time was, but I mean, that, that's a lot of picking it up and checking it. And, um, you know, if you've got apps on there that you're getting push notifications, 
my humble recommendation is to turn off most of those. They're not notifying you of anything that you really need to know right at that moment. But as a family, looking at, okay, who is it that God intends for our family to be? And not like super specific, we're, you know, the Joneses and we're going to be the family that does, you know, these highly specific things. Um, Think more generally about what Scripture calls us to be, to love God, to love neighbor, uh, to love his church, those kinds of things, and setting your goal around that. This is where we're trying to go as a family. This is who we're trying to become, and then from there work out, okay, what kinds of behaviors would that kind of family, uh, people who are like this, what would they do over and over and over through the course of the years to try to, by God's grace, uh, become those kinds of people. And so I've read as well that it is helpful to think about adding a habit rather than um, setting out to stop a habit. Now sometimes by adding, you necessarily subtract something else, but it's more just the the mindset of it. Again, that's just sort of common grace that people have discovered, but thinking, okay, Okay, we're going to do this thing. Well, that may mean that this other thing doesn't happen, and so okay, as a as a consequence of it, we'll just pour energy into this. Um, I mean, maybe you need to schedule it or something. But um, so anyway, working from your big goals is is who you're trying to be as a family, who God wants you to be, the kind of character you're developing, and ultimately, He calls us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so, I mean, you talked about gathering with God's people. It's going to be harder for us to be conformed to the image of Christ if we're not gathering with his people, sitting under his word, calling out to him in prayer, and we're instead, mm-hmm. um, you know, 40 to 50% of the year away because we're doing travel ball or at the lake or whatever yeah. else. Um, I mean, it makes some of those decisions easier for us. Like, okay, actually, this is what matters most to God, so it should matter most to us. Okay, so we're going to make the habit of, of gathering, and that means other decisions will follow. So, kind of the next step are there any practical uh steps that families can take towards restructuring their home life and building habits that are going to lead to holiness if we look and go okay there's some things that need to change here there's some things that we need to either start or stop how can what are some on-ramps for people yeah so i mean you talked about extracurriculars i mean even sports and I, I'm going to press on that. We pressed on that idol before because it can be. It's not always. Uh, but I, I think for families, a lot of times, this is going to mean maybe limiting extracurriculars. You know, I, I mean, I think if one finds, does this kind of inventory and finds, you know, we don't, we can't do family worship, you know, we can't make it to church, you know, maybe it's wise to make the decision that you know your kid needs to cut down to one sport or you know even no sports or you know or even you know maybe i know with teen jobs maybe encouraging you know we're gonna trust in the lord and you know you don't need to have that job maybe right now so that we can kind of have these uh the practical steps for holding these practical habits uh and so i mean that's there's always a cutting counting the cost there's always a being willing to you know gouge out our eye lest it sin you know cut off our hand and sanctification but I, i think we should try to make essentials uh like that we already have though times that we can incorporate habits as well i i don't think that it's 
always wise to kind of reinvent the wheel, you know. Uh, and if you're not doing family worship as a habit, for example, probably a good idea would not be to, you know, say that, oh, you know, everybody's, you know, hard to get a hold of at 8, 8.45, but we're going to just at 8.45 or 2.19 a.m., we're going to, you know, get everybody together. But, you know, if you're having dinner already together, I mean, and if you're not, you have to have dinner. Everybody has to eat dinner. You know, may, bring family together for dinner so that you can then do those godly habits right afterwards. I, I don't think that there's a biblical requirement to do, you know, those right together. But I have found, I, I suspect if we didn't do family worship after dinner, we would do it a lot less than we do, <laughs> you know. Uh, or, you know, I know families that do it after breakfast because, you know, again, you're together. So utilizing what you already have and then making those into habits. Uh, and then I think think about uh, and restructuring for habits. Just take more time to think about how much screen time, especially young people, are getting. I think so many times this can get in the way of habits and this can cause us to prevent the valuing of habits, even on our own. And so, you know, I suspect most people are going to find that not just as a family, but even for their kids, they give a lot more screen time than they than they realize if they don't inventory it. I mean, I know I read something the other day that I think the average American family watches about three hours of television per day. And that's not including, you know, when you're scrolling on your phone and whatnot. Uh, it's mm. it's crazy how much time we're on screens and how much time our kids are on screens that are going to prevent a lot of these habits from forming healthily. And I know I can fall to this error sometime myself too. What do you think, Ben? Mm. I think that was good. I, I really liked what you said about what are we already doing that we can like add a piece onto that or sitting at the dinner table. And, and so for some, it may just be we need to start having family dinner, even if it's not every night, but we need to, to figure out a way to do that. But just trying to add something onto the already existing routine um, and so that you're not just you know reinventing the wheel uh, because that's going to create a lot more, you know, cognitive and maybe relational friction and uh, that kind of thing. Uh, but I, and I'm going to borrow these from, again, just common grace, uh, but a guy named Charles Duhigg, another guy named James Clear, kind of a large, I mean, they're just compiling research from others, but to make it um, something that's obvious. So say you want to uh, start having family dinner together where you actually interact with one another. Yeah. So don't do it in the living room with the TV on. Like, make it obvious. Okay, we're actually going to sit around the table. And and you cannot bring a device to the table. And the device will not be in the room. Leave it yeah. wherever. Um, I mean, that's just make it obvious. It's, um, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to eat at the table. And then you also, uh, you want to make it attractive. And so, you know, you you try to, to build some, some desire for that. Maybe, if, especially if you've got younger kids, you could do this and adapt it for older kids. But, um Maybe you have a question box and you just put yeah. all kinds of random, sometimes funny, sometimes serious questions in there and you know, you pull it out and then you guys talk about that and you go on to the next thing. Just make it something that, that there's appeal there. Um, then you also want to make it easy or easier and that kind of fits in with making it obvious. But um, I, I don't know, set it on your calendar that, okay, this is family dinner night or this yeah. time is family dinner every day or, or mm -hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. And then you want to make it satisfying, you know, and I think you, 
take some reflection. You stop and, and see the, the gifts of God at giving you food and giving you relationships with another. Um, but find ways of, of making that satisfying. And if you got young kids, I mean, frankly, it may be actually challenging for a while, like just sitting down at the table and I mean, you know, you've been there, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe still there. I mean, there's times you're like, just eat your food, <laughs> please. Um, oh, yes. And don't take an hour to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, we're all leaving now, and you, know, you just stay here. But, yeah, I mean, those are some very common grace things. But also, I mean, we're Christians. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Um, rely on the Spirit's power to help you build those things over time. Ask him for help to change you. And like, you know, we believe in the Holy Spirit and we also believe that God works through means. And yeah. so it's not like we just get spiritually zapped and we just got it. Like the the common means of grace, as you've already mentioned, gathering with his people, taking in the word, calling to him in prayer, these kinds of things. God changes us through those. He meets us in those over time. And so trying to, okay, what other means too can can help us so do you i mean i don't have you read any of these books or seen articles or discussion uh in christian circles about our habits in recent times i mean not i mean i i read habits of grace i finished it last night partly because of this oh okay yeah that's a good book um yeah and maybe i just i don't know i was just drawn to it but over the past couple of years i have read several things book and article and listen to stuff uh and it's just been an interest of mine but i found a lot of wisdom there uh, but do you see any dangers or potential problems w- with some of this focus on behavior and habits and some would call it liturgy um you know in for families for individuals like do you see any pitfalls yeah i mean i think that there's going to be pitfalls in almost anything. Uh, but for in terms of this, I think there's going to be a potential legalism and, you know, ra- making it about, you know, checking a box rather than about the point. And, and maybe an example of this might be, uh, you know, there are times in which, I mean, I know many Christians and, and sometimes this applies to myself, you know, if, uh, if something comes up, you know, I maybe I don't maybe uh, a Christian family might read twice as much on a Tuesday rather than read on a Monday and a Tuesday uh, because something comes up and, and I don't think that there's any biblical proof that you know one is necessarily better than the other you know what I mean and uh, we can have a kind of legalism if we overly focus on that that being said there also is when we have daily routines we're going to be less likely to forget it the next day when you know chances are we don't catch up you know what I mean? <laughs> just how the human mind works uh, but also i think we can kind of mistake the motions for the meaning you know it can kind of quickly and i found this at times you know even you know when i was a younger christian you know and i would try uh to you know, go through the bible the whole bible every year as as i try to now as well uh but i found at times you know frankly i was yeah, I was reading the Bible, but I wasn't actually thinking about it. You know, I was just kind of getting it done for the day. And, you know, what's what's the real point of that? Mm-hmm. And maybe it would have been better for me to have read, you know, 10 verses to actually and actually cared about what I was reading rather than just, you know, checked off the box. Uh, what do you think? What kind of potential dangers do you see, Ben? I think, well, I mentioned the Holy Spirit a minute ago. I think there's a danger of forgetting the Holy Spirit in it. And, and certain personality types, types may be more driven, uh, maybe just 
it's easier for them to discipline themselves, and so there could some rigidity could creep in, um, and some flexibility that lacking, uh, maybe lack of grace in yeah. there. Thinking that we, okay, I'm, I'm measuring our our spiritual health by how well we're doing at these things. Okay, I'm just again, I'm checking the boxes, um, but just trying to flesh out me how that would look. That can be, I think. Um, a particular thing, and you mentioned like with scripture reading, maybe it would have been better to, to read a smaller section and to you're still daily building the habit of doing it and exposing yourself to, to what God says, but it's of more benefit, even though you're not getting as far. Um, I mean, there's no biblical command, you know, thou shalt read the Bible in one year. I think it's a good practice and it's a doable thing, but you know, if you're not really taking it and meditating on it. You know, it's the the value gets diminished. Um, not saying there's no value, but so yeah, I, I see those things um, as potential. Now, some people, oh, you know, you can't be spontaneous. We talked about this earlier. I, I do. I don't think that, um, especially with younger kids, like that, just having this loosey goosey whatever is going to be really helpful in the end. No having a okay it's dinner time oh well at dinner we sit at the table we don't bring devices at the table we all sit here and we eat at the table um you know you don't go take your food to your room um you know just those kinds of things it's going to actually enrich the family life the relationships there and and help us be holier if we're pursuing godly habits with time and wise relational habits um so that we're not just people that live at the same address but we're actually you know, building uh, relationships with each other. Helping, we're helping to disciple one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have any re- – I mean you mentioned a book you just finished reading. Uh, do you have any resources that you would recommend if somebody wanted to dig into this further? Yeah, I'm, I'm usually going to recommend books. <laughs> I'm a big book guy. Uh, and I mean, once again, uh, Habits of Grace by David Mathis, I think is a good resource um, that I j- literally just read this week leading up to it. I've been meaning to read it for years. Uh, it's a good, helpful resource on some spiritual discipline specifically and habits. And a similar one is actually Don Whitney, a professor of ours. He wrote a great uh, book called Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. And I think it's very accessible to people. Uh, as well as another one that's a lot older, that's got you know some older language, but I think is more accessible than people want to treat it as, would be Thomas Watson's A Godly Man's Picture. I think he really sets the importance of habit out in that, in our godliness and our sanctification, you know, and I don't think that's the only thing he does, but uh, I I mean, almost anything by Thomas Watson is not a waste of your time. <laughs> you, you could do a lot worse than reading the entire uh, collections of writings by Thomas Watson today. Okay, I got to read the Puritans. I've, uh, I've read the first two of the three that you, you recommended. Um, Thinking specifically of families, there's a newer book, I think within the last year, and it's called Habits of the Household. Hmm. Um, some of the things he talked about, you know, we talked about this discussion, but uh, anyway, that is uh, it's by Justin Whitmill. I guess how you say his middle name, Early, uh, out by Zondervan. That's a, I think there's really good truths underneath that's informing it, and he regularly reminds people of the gospel in there. And the power of the spirit, 
And then just a lot of practical wisdom on how this may work out. He looks at eight different portions of your or aspects of, of your home life, from uh, marriage relationship to screen time to, you know, it's, it's just, it's a very uh, practical outworking of wisdom. And then, I mean, there's a, another book. It's a little less related directly to family, though he does have a section, uh, a whole chapter, I think, on discipling your children. Uh, and it's a book called You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith. It's a little bit, it's a, like he took, he wrote these big, like this series of much more academic books and distilled it down into this one book. Uh, it's still written at a higher level than this this other one. Um, but it's talking about, you know, he makes the, the claim that you are what you love and you love you know what you are pursuing and the, as you pursue it, it it conditions you to love it more um he's a little higher maybe on liturgical worship in the sense of ancient church liturgy not just you know okay we do the announcements and then we do prophecies or whatever yeah. like every church has a liturgy but um anyway i a lot of lot of good things. I haven't read that books. book, but my guess is reading other things by James K. Smith, as he probably refers to uh, Augustine on every other page. Is that correct? Um, he does like Augustine. I can't, it's been a little while since I've read it. Um, I, you know, kind of like Mark Seifert and bringing up Martin Luther all the time, if you remember him. Um, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, he, he did bring up Augustine anyway. But Tony, thanks for thinking with me about this. I know. Um, I mean, I think this is a very practical thing, and that's whether you've got young kids, teenagers, or you don't have kids in your house at all. Um, I mean, what you're doing with your spouse and just with yourself, the kinds of habits you're building for yeah. the, your holiness. And I mean, God calls us to to uh, pursue, to grow up into maturity in Christ, and we do that with the body of Christ, but individually we, we are pursuing that as well. So mm-hmm. um, I believe it'll be a encouragement to those who listen. So God bless. Amen. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.